0: Good morning everyone. This morning we are in Matthew chapter 17. You might recall where Jesus left off in Matthew 16:28. He said, "Truly I say to you there are some who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom." And it you know, it appears at first that that looks like a prophecy regarding his second coming and that they will be alive when that happens. But based on the fact that Matthew 16 ends that way, and then Matthew immediately in verse 17 goes to what we're going to read next, I do believe he's referring to this. So, what happened? Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother. Now, before I move on, I think there's something really healthy about that. You know, Jesus had the 12 apostles who he picked out out of a larger group of apostles. And those apostles followed Jesus a lot more closely and had a more intimate relationship with him, had more significant training from Jesus. But then Jesus had an inner circle. And it it typically is made up of Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. And those three were part of Jesus' inner circle. They get some special experiences with Jesus and this is one of them. Another one that comes to mind is when Jesus went in to heal a little girl, you know, he, he didn't want to bring in the whole crowd. So he brought in Peter, James, and John, and then laid his hands on the little girl and healed them. Uh in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, there seems to be a special time with, with uh these fellows. And then again, Peter and John uh get a special encounter with Jesus at the seashore. After Jesus had rose from the dead, you might remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus having a discussion with these men. So at times they receive special treatment. The thing that I would say for our lives is I think it's good to have a circle of friends and then an inner circle of friends that you share with more personal and more deeply with and people when you're having a trial or trouble or even a celebration that you're spending time with them and maybe even investing into people or them investing into you in a in a more significant way. So um, may that be an encouragement to us to seek that intimacy with some other godly men or women in our lives. So <clears throat> Jesus takes them and leads them up on a high mountain and so many things Jesus does on high mountains. You know, you probably recall the Great Commission and him meeting his disciples up on a mountain. And here, too, he's meeting them up on a mountain. And here's what happens next. When Jesus is up there, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Now, this is quite a remarkable experience. Yes, leave it to me to have to try to explain something, of course, that I've never seen I mean, this is, this is just an unbelievable experience. I mean, it's beyond even his resurrection form. His face shone around like the sun and his garments became as white as light. I mean, this was a one-of-a-kind experience up on top of this mountain. And it's got a purpose. And behold, listen, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Imagine that. Imagine seeing Jesus up high on this mountain, Moses and Elijah are like back to life in this transfigured form. What a remarkable experience. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Mimicking perhaps the Feast of Booths. uh, Peter being a Jew, wanting to do that. And while he was still speaking, and by the way, Right away, Peter speaks up. Isn't that like him? You know, he probably should have just shut up and watched what was going on. But while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice outside of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. There's a word right there. Reminds me of something said like this in Jesus's baptism but in the hearing of Peter, James, and John this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased listen to him may we listen to Jesus God the Father is trying to get across to these men in this special experience the one that you need to listen to is Jesus and That's true for us today. Are you listening to him? Are you making Jesus' words, his teaching, his lordship a priority in your life? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to honor him, live for him, follow him. Are you listening to the one in whom God is pleased? And you know, I think I'm going to talk about this at Christmas, which is coming up for us uh, in a week, that because of Jesus being well-pleased by the Father, there is a way for us to now have God be pleased with us, and it's through his Son. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. <clears throat> that seems to be a common experience when Jesus shows up in the house after the resurrection. Uh, people are just like, this is so amazing, and they, they have a, a a fear about them. And Jesus immediately tries to calm their fear, just like when he walked into the upper room when his disciples were there. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, get up and do not be afraid. And What a blessing that Jesus tells us that. I think it's actually good and proper and right to have a reverential fear of the Lord. And then it's good and right for Jesus to help us to not be afraid, but know that because of what he's done for us, we can be in his presence. Get up and do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. So God can just make these men, Moses and Elijah, show up and he can make them disappear. I mean, that had to just be incredible. Just all the things Jesus did, it makes me think of right now, like, you know, when Jesus calmed the sea. I mean, what a remarkable thing to see Jesus do miracles, but then to see him, even the winds and the waves obey him. And here, these men show up and then they're just gone, just as God wants and as they were coming down from the mountain, sometimes I see little phrases like that as they are coming down from the mountain. Imagine the conversations that we don't have. So after this transfiguration, right, this amazing scene, you know, James, Peter, John, and Jesus are walking down this mountain. It's going to take a while. They, they had to talk, right? They had to have conversations that are unrecorded. It wouldn't have been amazing just to kick it with Jesus like that. But Jesus commanded them, saying, on the way down, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. And his, you know, he wanted them to wait on this one. And, and here we have Matthew recording it now for us. But they weren't to tell the other disciples about this at that time or anyone else. And his disciples asked him, when then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? You know, that was prophesied that Elijah would come to prepare the way of the Lord. And he answered and said, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. And that's an interesting passage that Jesus said there. But then he says, but I say to you that Elijah has already come, came, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they wished. So also the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about John the Baptist John the Baptist is one who came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for Jesus and even baptized Jesus and ask the people to repent before Jesus came. And John was beheaded at this time and had died. And Jesus is saying, you know what? The son of man, me, I'm going to suffer at their hands as well because he was headed to the cross to pay for our sins. Verse 14, when they came to the crowd, so they come down the mountain, A man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him. And the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Man, Jesus at times will really share some startling, direct, hard words with the apostles. This may have been just James, Peter, and John. Well, it may not have been too. Perhaps he already joined the other disciples. But, you know, he, he often tells them of their weakness of faith. And I, I think he wants them to recognize that at times, that they were weak in faith, because you know, after Pentecost, which is fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus, when Jesus' spirit comes to live inside of those who believe, including his apostles, he's going to be courage begets courage. And he's going to make them be more courageous and, and therefore help us to be more courageous too. And he's wanting them to have greater faith, and he's wanting them to exercise greater faith and to realize that. When you put the Holy Spirit in someone, there's a special power that's in you and that they, they can have it and that they can do amazing things with God's help. And he's wanting them to know and not live with a shallow, weak faith, but to have them be strong in faith. And he wants us to be strong in faith too. Verse 19, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? You know, why why?" can you drive out this demon, but not us? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. What an incredible word. And you know, there are mountains in our lives. I mean, I don't recall this ever meaning that a literal mountain was moved. Like, you know, a mountain that the apostles prayed and a mountain moved. But I do believe in our lives, there are obstacles, hurdles, valleys, challenges that we face that through Jesus, we can get past them. Miracles can happen. God can give us the strength to get past our past. And we're supposed to trust him for that. And sometimes it's going to contain the miraculous that we can't even explain. Other times it may be the strength that Jesus puts inside of us, the perspective, you know, a change of perspective that Jesus gives us from on high can really make us more than conquerors over difficult situations. And sometimes that's the miracle in itself, that we have the faith to get past the struggles in our life because we believe in Jesus. Man, those are, those are amazing mountains to get past. Now, you'll see in Matthew here, parentheses, And meaning that this is not part of all of the biblical manuscripts that we have. Meaning, this was likely added, verse 21. It's likely not an authentic passage. Likely what happened here is, in the Gospel of Mark, it's not in quotations. And it says, but this kind does not come out, but only by prayer. And it doesn't mention fasting. And likely, someone at some later date, after Matthew wrote his gospel, said, hey, this is the same scene that Mark recorded, and they decided to insert this verse into the text. That's We don't know that for sure, but that's likely what happened, and then this person decided to add fasting. And it's not that it's bad, right, to be extra prayerful or to fast, and it may even be biblically accurate that there's extra spiritual power by prayer and fasting but it's it is good to know that this probably is not an authentic verse spoken by Jesus as far as the fasting but he very likely did say this this kind does not go out except by prayer as you can read in in uh, Mark 9:23 or 9:29 excuse me And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. And here Jesus knows he's headed to the cross and he went to it and didn't try to avoid it because that was going to be his power unleashed in taking our sin. And ultimately he was going to be victorious over that cross as he said here, raised in the third day. When they came to Capernaum, a place they were often at, in the region of Galilee, by the Sea of Galilee, those who collected two drachma tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the two drachma tax? This is a tax that the Roman Empire collected. And he said, yes. And when he came to the house, Jesus spoke to them first, saying, "Why do you? what do you think, Simon? He's asking Peter now to think through this. From whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax from their sons or from strangers? You know, does the king make their son pay tax or others? And when Peter said, well, from strangers, Jesus said to him, then the sons are exempt. And he's basically saying, you know what? We'd be exempt from paying this tax because, you know, the Lord God is king of the land and we're his sons and we wouldn't have to pay it. However, so that we do not offend them. Go to the sea and throw in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. take that, and give it to them for you and me <laughs> Oh my, would that have been a scene, and you know when when you know you know that it's recorded that the apostles, including Peter, it says that he was History says that Peter was martyred upside down because he did not want to be martyred exactly like Jesus was. So he decided to do it upside down. Now, why were these guys willing to give their lives all the way to the point of death, maintaining their testimony in Jesus? Do you know that there's not an apostle there's any record of that denied the Christ? Well, it's because if somebody else could tell you to go pull the first fish out of the water and that fish came out with, The coin that just like Jesus said, how could you ever deny him? And they didn't deny him because they could not deny what they saw with their own eyes. These guys were eyewitness testimony to the miracles of Jesus. They recorded what he said. You can believe in Jesus, y'all. He is a miracle worker. What another amazing chapter of scripture. God bless you all.